Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. We are starting a brand new series um, that we've called Raising the Bucket. And don't worry, it's not about the offering bucket. It's, it's not about trying to shake you down for some money. And so uh, this is uh, about um, what we're going to reference um, as the love bucket. And I know that sounds like a terrible 80s band name. And so, which is why we did not call the series Love Bucket. It was our working title um, for us as we were getting ready. And this is a series that um, has been on my heart for a long time. And we actually started the year. And this was something I really, I really wanted us to get in us as a staff and as a team and as leadership before we rolled it out to the church. And it's, this is all of the message series and all the stuff are, is meaningful to us, but there's things that we want to become our DNA. We want to be hardwired into us and hardwired into to everybody. I'm, you know, we've got enough people in here. There's, you know, there's some people who I'm sure have heard something said or preached and you're like, okay, pastor, I track with you on this, but I'll disagree here. And, and we choose to agree to disagree and we fellowship together and we move on. But this series is one of those things that I want us to find a place of agreement on. I want us to see how important um, this, these concepts are that we're going to look into. And, and we've been talking about it as a staff and praying over it as a staff for months and months and months. And so we're finally going to get to start out with this. And the, um, so if you're tracking along with our YouVersion app, which is the app that you can do the notes electronically, or you've got the bulletin we gave you on the way in, um, then this is kind of our launching concept. This is kind of what we're getting going with here is, is that the love of God has raised us up to love others more than we ever thought possible. More than we ever thought possible. Now, as humans, we have some moments where we do this. Any parent who sat there and had the, held their kid in their hands for the first time, and it may be more maybe a little more different for dads since moms have this life growing on the inside of them and there's this real tactile awareness when they're like kicking the snot out of you from the inside and and so but there was this moment um like when I, I held my oldest son for the first time I held Keenan for the first time and and the doctor had to like tell me to settle down because I started yelling and hollering Ooh, and and we met one of the nurses a couple of years ago and she's like I remember you, the doctor had to tell you to shut up. And I was like, <laughs> yes, that's me. I was that guy. And so, and, and it's just all of a sudden your heart is just so full and you can't explain it and you don't understand it. And it's just so full and you're loving more than you thought possible. And there's this place where the spirit of God wants to carry us forward to be able to love like he loves. Or all of a sudden we begin to get into his vein and his flow of love. That all of a sudden the love of God begins to be shed abroad in our hearts as the scriptures say. And we begin to interact and connect with people we just thought we would never be able to interact with. You know, all of a sudden we, we see the Packers fans hug, hugging the Cowboys and loving on one another. And it's all right. And so we have all sorts of stuff happening because the love of God is at work. And so many times we don't see the impact of something. We feel like it's maybe insignificant, but 
on the back end of it, it's a really big deal. I was a bus driver for our, um, our church's kids busing program, and so I was driving, a, driving one of the buses one Sunday afternoon after we had done a bunch of uh, children's ministry, and we dropped all of the kids off and heading the bus back to the church, and I had a bunch of the girls who were our church workers, and so these were all girls in their early teens, and, and they were on the bus. Lauren Ramirez on our staff was one of the ones on the bus, our nursery director, Katie Dawbaugh, who's on the other side of that wall taking care. She was on the bus. There was about six girls on the bus, and I dropped all the kids off, and we're headed back to the church. And if you're familiar with the intersection of Washington Street and Chadburn, and you're going across Washington and Chadburn, you're as thankful as I am that there's no longer a light there. There are stop signs. Because when there was a light, you could just go straight through it, and you felt like you should just go straight through it. But there was a huge bump, huge dome of Chadburn, and it would come down for the drainage and come up and come down. And if you've driven very long, you know you hit some of those, and you can. it's a good way to catch air if you want to. You put old school Dukes of Hazard. You know, you can like, woo. So all you teenage boys, I never said that. And so, um, but anyways, there's a stop sign there now and you can't do it. And so, but there was not a stop sign there. And I was driving the bus. We were coming back and there's a green light. We're headed back in. And of course, all these girls are in the back of the bus. There's me driving. They're all in the back of the bus having fun. No seat belts. And I drive across and I hit that first deal. Oh, Washington, go up Chadburn. I come down over there, go, and I, when I crossed, I knew. That was, that was too big. That was, that was too fast. That was too much of a bump. And then you got that bus driver rearview mirror where you see everything behind you. And as I go across, I look in the rearview mirror, and I'm telling you, somebody turned off gravity. There were six girls in the air, and they're just, you know, if we'd had the bus cam and you could have paused it, I mean, it would have been a cool shot. I mean, they're just up. Now, their eyes were this big, and they were super freaked out, and um, they actually went and smart, a couple of them tucked and hit their backs on the roof of a school bus. That's how high they threw. They are all in the air. Lauren has a scar this long on her shin to this day from coming down on a bad weld on a bus seat, and it just laid her open. And so, and there are these girls who come up, and then they come down on the back of these seats, so they fall down and knocks the wind out of them, so they look like they're dead in the back. <laughs> and there's blood, and it's bad, and I'm and I pull over, and so I go back there, and they're just looking at me like, we hate you. You're terrible. And, um, and so, and sadly, we needed bus drivers so bad, they let me drive the next week. And they're like, oh, we hosed it out. It's no big deal. And so blood washes. And, um, but it was just so, it was just, my bump as I was a driver, it was a, it was a bump. But what happened to those following behind me was way more than I ever dreamed. It would have, all of a sudden, it just it was way more significant down the line. And sometimes we don't realize the impact of one of our actions until we understand what, what happens down the line. And so many times we live and we go and we don't recognize that there are these, these things that flow out of 
what we think are common, normal, regular interactions that maybe we don't realize that, that a lot is weighing on this, but there's more weighing on our common, regular, everyday, in and out actions than we can even think about. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. It says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him. Love you've shown God as you have helped his people and continue to help them. He's not going to forget the, the work and the labor and the love you've shown to God as you helped his people. As you served them. That was where the love of God is being expressed. It's not he's, gonna, he's not going to forget Oh, your amazing worship experience, and I'm all about worship. I, I'm on the front row, and people skip seats because I smack people, and, and, and I get real into it, and I love worship. But guess what? It's, God's not like, oh, man, I just saw Brandon Clark worshiping. Woo-woo, that was all what it's all about. No, that's me re being reminded that I've got a God in heaven who's on my side, and anything else that's coming against me isn't as big of a deal as I thought. And when I remember that, I get pretty dang excited. I get pretty loose. I get pretty pumped about that. And that's my worship experience about remembering and celebrating what God has done for me. But there's a place where then I pour some of that back out towards God. And it's not about me tickling his ears with what I have to say in my expressions of worship that's for me then that, that builds me up remembering who my god is and what he's done but there's a place where i show him love and how i've helped his people and continue to help them jesus has a long parable a long parable in matthew 25 that we're going to to look at matthew 25 verse 34 says then the king will say to those on his right Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I, <clears throat> I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and, and go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. They didn't know they were doing it. They didn't know. It was a common, regular, everyday action. They were giving somebody some help. They were providing a need. They were doing it. They didn't know they were doing it for him. But he says, no, you were, you were doing it for me. And here it says, whatever you did for the least. Now let's get this baseline right here. God does not have this 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 list that there's some really really high on God's list and some really really low on God's list God loves his children the same he loves us 
God, we're all created in his image. We're all his. Now, there will, there will be the, the, the abilities and the, the love of God and all that that will flow through us as we connect more and more with him. And that stuff will vary. But who he loves and what a greatest and a least list, God doesn't have one of those. But who does? Who does have a least list? You and I. You and I have a least list. You and I have people we really enjoy and really connect with and really enjoy spending time with. And we have people that we just really don't. That just drive us up the wall. That we don't like. That we oftentimes hate. And he says, whatever you've done to the least, that's how you've done it for me. And so as a church body and as a church team, then I really spent some time with us and we've spent some time looking at what this means and talking about the love bucket. As cheesy as that sounds, because this is going to make sense in a minute. But really talking about that, because we try to create an environment where people have an easy time connecting with God. And, and being able to come and to have an experience with God. But even though we are sitting there and helping other people as ministers, we're helping other people have an encounter and a connection with God. We as individual ministers are having an opportunity to minister to God. According to this, we have an opportunity. And according to this, whoever I treat the least... That was how I treated, greeted Jesus. That was how I treated Jesus. It's not the person like when I see my wife and my, my, my kids showing up and I jump up out of my seat like I did this morning and run over to the glass doors and hug on them. So I'm so glad to see y'all because I get here a lot earlier than they get here. That wasn't my Jesus moment. The ones I was the most excited to see. My Jesus moment, according to this, is whoever I... Treated the least. If I blew somebody off this morning, I pray I didn't. I'm not conscious of where. But if I did, that was my Jesus moment. If I avoid somebody, then I'm avoiding Jesus. I'm not avoiding that. According to this. According to this. And it works both ways. We move on. And he spends the next little bit saying, this, you didn't do this, you didn't do this, and you didn't do this. And, and the people who they didn't do it, they're like, when did we not clothe you? When did we not minister to you? When did we not feed you? When did we not visit you? When, did we not, when were you sick and we didn't go see you? And he answers in verse 45. He will say, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you didn't do for me. You didn't do for me. So it's not just all these beautiful acts of, of, of generosity that even on the low end they gets counted toward that God receives it. As it was done directly to him. It's when we're like, not today. Not today. We were not today in Jesus. We're like, ah. Hmm. We were, the attitude and all that was there with Jesus. I, um, I'm from Odessa. Don't hold it against me. Been here since I graduated high school, so. Um, but um, also graduated from Permian. Don't hold that against me either. And um, anyways, but whenever I was uh, in elementary school, 
Uh, my parents have always had us in church, and I, I've been a church guy my whole life. And, and um, when I was in fourth and fifth grade, I got real excited about the things of God and, and carried my little Gideon Bible, my little, little tiny Bible with me to church, I mean to school. And, and I would try to preach on the playground, and, and, and I would try to witness and share Jesus with my, my little schoolmates. And um, so pretty soon, I mean, I got a reputation, you know, I was the, you know, the little local preacher. And so now my teacher got on to me. She thought it was pretty sacrilegious um, because the little boyfriends and girlfriends would come to me and want me to do their weddings. So we'd go out by the monkey bars, and I open my little Bible, read something out of Romans or Revelations, and the ten-headed beast, um, you know. And so, and uh, anyways, and so read something real quick out of the out of the Bible it had nothing to do with anything. And then, you know, tell them they were married. And, uh, you know, teacher thought that was pretty wrong. And, um, and so, but that was, that, was, that was who I was for those couple of years. And, of course, um, sadly, I did not keep that connection and growth in my relationship with God. And, and um, there, was a, there was a guy who I went to elementary school with, junior high with, and high school with. And we were never t- tight friends. We were never buddies. We never hung out and, or, or even our like hung out with people with the same people. We just did not overlap. Uh, but we went to school together, and he knew who I was. I knew who he was. And so he was there in the fourth and fifth grade. He knew all that. I don't remember if I did his wedding. I might have. And so, um, the, but the, uh, anyway, so it's my senior year in high school. And the good old Friday Night Lights, and um, Permian was uh, undefeated that year in one state. And, um, but it's one of those games, and it was a, a tense game, and I'm up in the student section, and, you know, the ref makes a call, and something goes down, and by, between my senior year and my fifth grade year, my, my, my relationship with God uh, very, very much took the back seat, and I was expressed in lots of different ways, and part of it was my mouth. And uh, so as the bad call goes, man, I'm standing up and I'm cussing at the ref and I'm like, ah, that's sorry, blank, blank, da, da, da. And all of a sudden, this guy about 10 seats down on my row leans up and says, Brandon Clark, is that you? I was like, yeah. He's like, man, you are finally one of us. You used to be such a blank, blank, holy roller. You're finally one of us. And man, and that just cut me. And it was like, oh my gosh. And it just shocked me into like a reality and all this stuff. I'd not had another conversation with this guy, but apparently from fourth and fifth grade on, he had been noticing me and noticing how I was. And finally, as, as I was being hateful and just treating this ref who's just out there trying to do the best he can anyways, and I'm just treating him so hateful, he's like, at that moment, he saw the hate and the language and all that stuff, and he's like, you are not affiliated with God anymore. And now all of a sudden, man, it, there was this awakening that came, and there's this place where the way we treat somebody we're mad at or we're frustrated with or we think we're in the right and they're in the wrong, and we spew this stuff out. All of a sudden, man, that should be... In those moments, we ought to be, as Christforth, we ought to be different. And here's one of the truths we want to walk away with today is that showing love to others is showing love to God. That's the way this works. Jesus said that we're to love God 
and to love others. And then Jesus, we looked at last week, said, love one another like I have loved you. With this sacrificial, big kind of love. Not just like we love ourselves, but like Christ has loved us. This is really, folks, what this is all about. We love to turn this thing into something else. We love to turn the religion of Christianity into something else. Let's turn it into Bible study. Let's turn it into these other things. Let's turn it into a certain, listening to this preacher or that preacher. Let's turn it into writing this amount of a, on a check, out of our checkbook. Let's turn it into something else when it all is said and done is what this is about is loving God and loving one another. And that is it. That is it. And why? Why do we look for something else to be our metric? Why do we look for something else to be our measure? It's because we think we can do that. Because loving the people we have a hard time loving is hard. It is hard. It is difficult. Remember the king replied, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Our love is indexed. To how we treat the person we treat the least. And that freaks me out. I'm just going to be honest. My nature, I'm a fairly nice guy. Rarely do I want to throat, throat punch anybody. But I'm telling you, it's still, I'm challenged like anybody else. I'm challenged like anybody else. We've uh, got our good old bucket up here. It's been our uh, metaphor for us to, as a team. This is what we're looking at in this series on raising the bucket. And um, uh, back in the early 1800s, there was a botanist guy who was trying to figure out how to grow more crops and you know, feed a nation and all this kind of stuff. And, and um, uh, Liebing's Law of the Minimum Factor was created in the early 1800s, and this, this law of the minimum factor um, dictates that, you know, that a plant needs certain things to be able to grow, and it's only going to be able to grow based on whatever, it, it, whatever factor is the least of. Of course, out here in arid West Texas, we understand water. Plants need water, and so we have irrigation systems and all sorts of stuff to help do that because if we don't provide the water, that becomes the limiting factor, and our crops don't grow. And so that's what this is, is there's all these different factors, but we're, we're limited and really uh, indexed to the lowest one. And, and so what we've done is we just grabbed a good old wooden bucket. And, you know, we have this wooden bucket, and it has all of these little up and down staves, all of these pieces. And each one of these is going to represent somebody in our lives, and so, and the boy, this one, man, we just love this person, and this one's easy to love. And man, there's another one right there close to it, because if you notice, you and I kind of bunch up the people we like. You know, we tend to get peer groups and other people and bunch up people that we like and enjoy hanging around with. And man, all of a sudden, man, it's easy. I just, yeah, my, my love for this one's high, my love for this one's high, my love for this one's high, my love for this one. And then we track along, and then all of a sudden, bam, there's a little bit of less love right here. And they're like, oh, okay, but man, this one over here, I, this one kind of got invited by these two, and I wouldn't have invited this one to our group, but these two invited him. And so I'm kind of stuck hanging out with him. Um, and so, but it's still, I would rather him go away. And then we have a good, easy-to-love group. 
And we all have people in our lives that way. Um, some of those are called family. <laughs> and we there got stuck in the group and we did not pick them. And so, um, but then you go along and then all of a sudden it's like, bam! What happened here? Well, man, you don't know what that person did. You don't know how that have been hurt. You don't know the scenario on that thing. There's a reason I don't love those. But look, I love everybody. Look at this. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a loving person. I'm a loving person. You can't define me as not loving. You can't tell me I'm not loving when look at all these people I love. You can't point this out and pick on that one spot. But we could take our kindergartners and say, what does this bucket hold? What does it hold? This is what holds. Jesus says, I've poured out love unto you. The love you have poured back to me is what you've done the least. We're indexed there. So what do we do? We say, God, help me. Help me to raise this. Help this to come back up. And you know what? The challenge isn't to have all of us love everybody the same. We're not do that. We start out there. You and I, when we were little buckets, <laughs> we were cute little buckets. It was so nice. Those pictures, man. We, Mama thought we were going to grow up to be good looking. <laughs> we were so cute in those pictures. And there's this little bucket. And there's a reason why Jesus tells us to, we need to be like little kids. Because if you notice and you run into and you go to a pre-K class, they don't care what shoes that other kid's wearing. They don't care if he's got old nasty taped together stuff. If they think it looks cool, then they want tape on their brand new shoes. He's got duct tape on his shoes, mama. I want duct tape too. He's my best friend. And then we just, they just love. They just love. And just love everybody. One of my favorite pictures that I have a, a, as a dad is we were at La Contera in, in San Antonio and, and we gave Cutie a little extra shopping time. And me and the little girl snuck off to Barnes and Noble and we went over to the little kid book section where we could just sit and do nothing and read books. And, and Cutie could have the whole mall to herself. And we're sitting there. And uh, San Antonio is a much more diverse community than San Angelo. And um, so we're sitting there, and, and I see this uh, a very Muslim mom come in with her little girl, who's Colin's age. And they come over, and they sit down, and there was no problems at all. If me and mom began to talk about God, there would have been some issues. But those two little girls just loving on one another... It was beautiful. And I was sitting there with tears in my eyes, and I just snuck a picture and reminded that God wants us to see first and foremost not all of the, the bad ideology, not any of this other stuff, but just see someone made in the image of God. Someone God loves so much. That's what he wants us to see. If we begin to do that, things begin to shift. We get back to this moment, and man, and this, this one... This one drains our love. 
This one drains our love. And then all of a sudden we're empty and we can't even pour out for the ones we love the most. And you know it's true. Then you sit there and you have a rough day because somebody has drained you dry and you go home and you snap at the people you love the most. They didn't do anything. They asked, what's for dinner? And you're like, I never want to hear that question again. Everyone's sucking me dry. And I, woo, what happened? Old busted love bucket happened. And then we hate that and we don't like that. And we want those that we love to get some love. We don't like being drained. So what do we do? Ha! We'll tilt it. I'll isolate you. I'll get you over here and you, I'll just get you away and I'll get all the love over here. And I'll have some love over here. And some that I love aren't getting as much, but there's a handful that are getting all my love. And then I'll ask them, am I loving? And they're like, yep. Am I loving? Oh, yeah, you're loving. Or am I loving? Sometimes. Am I loving? Uh, I don't know. Am I loving? Never. Oh, I don't even ask you. I don't even care about you. And then we begin to contort our lives. So we have something that looks like love going on in our lives. And we isolate people and we kick them out and we push them away so we can find some place where we love. But God's called us. He's called us to let him work in our lives and raise it and raise the bucket. Raise those staves and begin to grow in a different place. See, Proverbs 14, 31. Oh, my goodness. Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Proverbs 19, 17 says, Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they've done. This has been, and this has been a pointed out deal. To be able to give to those in your mind that are the least... It's to connect with God. See, God's invited us to love like he loves, even when the person doesn't deserve it. Matthew 5, verse 43. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are, you not, <clears throat> are not even the tax collectors doing that? They were the most despised group of the Jews he was talking to. If you greet only your own people, are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans, people don't even give a rip about God, do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. The perfection that God is drawing us into isn't legalistic perfection. He's drawing us into and wants us to desire to be able to love deeper and love better. Love without these boundaries and stipulations and just to love. Now, love does not mean trust, folks. You can love somebody and not give them the password to your bank account. I love you and I am not giving you the password to my bank account. So, so many times we confuse love and trust. But we can begin to believe for and pray for and desire good for someone we don't yet trust. That's love. That's love. 
We begin to step out and be transformed by love. John, uh, actually, let's move on to Romans chapter 5, verse 8. I mean, verse 6 and 8. It says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Even rarely will anyone dare to die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we weren't being any kind of kind or good to God, he demonstrated his love for us and that Christ died for us. When we made his name a curse word, he said, you know what? I'm going to come in, so I want to, I want to be able to give you a new name. You tried to give me a, a negative name. I'm going to give you a new name. I'm going to give you the name of chosen and loved and belong. I'm going to give you that. That's what he pursued. When we were pushing him aside, he was pulling us in. That is what this is about. That's how he demonstrated his love. And folks, that's how the love of God wants to be manifested in you and I. Not just to huddle up with the people we love the most. And that's wonderful. It is. Don't stop that. But let's increase those minimum factors. Let's increase those things. So you say, how do we do this? Because we know we're not all going to transform on this overnight. I know that. So what's going to be our next step? How do we just make a move in this direction? Our next step is to just remember who made them. Just remember who made them. When you want to throw punch that person, remember who made them. And more than likely, if this would have been in modern days times, Jesus would have said, and when you throat punch them, you throat punch me. <laughs> remember who made them. Our bottom line is how we love the least is how we love Jesus. Folks, we want to grow literally across the board. We want to grow all the way around here. So to do that, we're going to have to allow the Holy Spirit to increase our love for those we love the least. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.